So when it comes to trends for a decade plus, I've seen the trend of fixed tilt wrapping and transitioning over to single axis tracking. And the reason why that occurred is because there was an LCOE advantage to making that transition. Same thing with modules. That trend occurred five plus years ago if people saw the uptick in energy production at no material increase in the cost of the module. So therefore the LCOE improved with the adoption of by base modules. Hello and welcome to the Solar Maverick podcast where solar meets entrepreneurship and experience. I'm your host, Benoit Thanjan, so let's get into it. Hi, this is Benoit, your host of the Solar Maverick Podcast. I wanted to invite you to an in-person event that we're organizing. It's called the Renew Energy and Solar Maverick Podcast Holiday Fundraiser Networking Event. It is on Wednesday, December 6th from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. in Jersey City, New Jersey at a Czech beer garden smokehouse called Hudson Hall, where I'm one of the owners. And it's $60 to attend. Part of the admission fee goes to two charities that we're fundraising. And it also covers our expenses for the event, where the two charities that we're fundraising for is the Boys and Girls Club and also Let's Share the Sun Foundation, which we've had twice on the Solar Maverick podcast. We're also partnering with Grandstand Sports and Memorabilia they will be selling memorabilia proceeds that will go to charity. This is a great event. It gets bigger each time we do the event and it's a great community of people in the solar industry and great networking and also for a great cause. If you're interested in attending the event, we'll have it in the notes of the podcast and you'll see the event bright link for the event. Thank you for listening to Solar Maverick podcast. Let's get into it. Did you know that New York is a clean energy leader with ambitious climate goals in the works? New York's solar industry is making those goals a reality, although there's some challenges to face as we work on decarbonizing the grid. Get ready to dive into the solutions for New York's clean energy future at the 2023 New York Solar Summit, the ultimate statewide conference and trade show where industry leaders explore the path to rapid solar and storage deployment through the Empire State. Join hundreds of clean energy leaders on November 9th at Albany Capital Center to hear from experts, including Jigger Sean Doreen Harris, along with ample learning and networking opportunities. Visit www.nicea.org, that's N-Y-S-E-I-A.org, for more information and register today. Register using the promo code MAVERICK for a 15% discount on tickets. Hope to see you there. Hi, this is Benoit, your host, the Solar Maverick Podcast. I'm excited in this episode to have Albi Fong. He's the Senior Director of Business Development at Earthos. Earthos is doing some amazing, creative things in the industry. Albi, it's great to have you on the podcast. Yeah, thanks a lot, Benoit. Anytime. We're already plus, and it's in Las Vegas on September 11th, which is the first day of technically the conference starting. We're in the beautiful suite that Earthos has. Oh, Blasa Tart, the Venetian. Yeah, I'm excited to have Albi because I've actually known Albi for a long time, but not in person. I read his project development book in the solar industry, maybe it was seven to eight years ago. And so I always had your name in the back of my mind. And then it was amazing when we were introduced. But I think a great way first to start off the podcast is if you could talk about Earthos and what you're focused on there. And obviously there's been a lot of exciting press releases that have been released right around RE+. What you guys are doing is 
totally revolutionizing the way to build solar projects going forward. And I'm excited for our listeners who we call Mavericks to hear more about it. For all the listeners out there that aren't familiar with what EarthFoods does, we have come up with a new methodology of installation called Earth Mount Solar. And it basically removes all steel, all structural steel from solar projects, primarily utility steel. In doing that, we've been able to reduce land usage by 50%. We've been able to reduce construction labor by 50% and all the cost variability that comes out of utilizing structural steel in racking, whether it's big silt or single-axis tractors. So this all translates ultimately to a 20% lower LCOE. And in order to achieve this LCOE advantage, we also have OPEX saving as well through robotic cleaning that enables solar projects to realize less than 1% soiling losses. So I found out about this solution about two and a half years ago, being in the industry for now 16 years. Anytime you have a transformative technology that allows you to reduce costs, PPA prices, energy, I just couldn't wait to dive into and promote this solution. And we've been doing a great job so far with 18 projects under our belt that ensure that being contracted and 400 megawatts under contract currently. That's a great high-level summary of what EarthBoost is. And can you talk about like how you're able to use less steel, which is obviously a large cost in a solar project, which is part of the reason why you're able to have a lower LCOE cost and that would be really helpful. Essentially, we put solar panels physically on the ground. So solar panels currently are on a fixed stove or single axis track or rattle system. And that is generally how the whole utility steel solar industry has transformed into designing and executing solar projects. So once we saw and did the financial analysis to validate that like one solar panel prices fall below 50 cents a lot, if you would come up with a solution that enables you to remove all the racking, all the structural steel financially, it makes sense to put solar panels on the ground, on the dirt, and we will be able to validate that further and we start building larger projects. So far, we've had operational projects in the ground for over two years now and starting to get larger utility scale commitments with announcement this morning for 80 megawatts in Mississippi, as well as its other announcements recently, which showed our solution being expected to be deployed in Arkansas and Texas and California and other regions of the country. So yeah, no, we're excited about it. That is really exciting. And I know you mentioned about some of the new press releases on states that you're having projects being built and announced. It sounds like from based on our conversations, I know we've talked about this in the past, that it's basically areas of the country, or you're primarily U.S. focused. Is that correct? Yeah, we're an American-based company based in Tempe, Arizona. And right now the focus is in the U.S., North America. We've made announcements so far of our expected inclusion in, in at least five states right now publicly. Maybe that will increase now that we've announced Mississippi, but there will be a international expansion of the solution. And ultimately, the idea of putting a solar panel on the ground and all the associated intellectual property with that is our IP. And so we believe that we have the ability to standardize this methodology installation in the U.S. around this solution. But also, as we expand internationally, we'll be able to maintain the IP rights as we go into different countries, different regions of the world. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's huge. Obviously, you're able to build with your technology the lowest cost solar system that's out there. So it could be a lot bigger than the U.S. And obviously, having that IP is huge. And does it work in environments that it's colder, where there's snow? You mentioned like the southeast of the United States and California. What about like the Midwest or the Northeast? Yeah, I mean, the area that we don't focus on deployment of this earth mount solar solution and then the snow 
belt race country. So large parts of Michigan, New York, Illinois are kind of areas we don't focus in. We also don't install our solution in floodplains. Their ground solar solution can accept some amount of water submergence, but we want to be cognizant of putting our solution, or really any developer should be cognizant of putting their solution in those kind of environmental conditions. So key for us and how we decide when we want to engage and start designing our solution to a project. To me, there's not many people with 15 years of solar experience. You're a true maverick in that sense of coming in very early in the industry. It would be very helpful like if everyone kind of knows your story, like how you got started in solar and then how you got to the point of, I know you discovered Earthbos two years ago. It would be great to learn more about your background. I think you have a technical background. You're an engineer by trade. Yeah, no, absolutely. I graduated from UC San Diego with an electrical degree and started the first two and a half, three years of my professional career doing very technical engineering work, probably designed fiber optics and high voltage temp systems for a small semiconductor company in San Diego. And we were doing a lot of contract work for the defense industry and the biofuel industry, but it was very much a very startup environment. The semiconductor industry, especially when it comes to defense contractors, that sort of thing is fairly mature. Given my experience there and doing a lot of technical work, getting a little bit of involvement in biofuels kind of helped shape in my interest in renewables in general. So I think it was around 2008, there was the IPC extension. I think it was eight or 10 years. And that jump-started the opportunity for me to get involved in the solar energy industry. At the time, there was very few companies who were well-known in San Diego for solar. Borrego Solar was one of them and floated the idea of maybe working with them or SunPower. Eventually, it shaped out that based on application and seeing what was out there, there was a company called Albiasa Solar out of Spain. No relation to my name, but Albiasa Solar is a small family company out of Spain that was looking to enter the U.S. market. And they were hiring a small team of people to lead their project development business, as well as their concentrating solar power, parabolic trough technology business in the U.S. So I was one of two people they decided to hire at the time. They hired myself and they hired Jeffy Tippett, who currently works at Baxter Renewables. But we basically started the business in the U.S. We opened an office in Arizona. We hired a handful of people to develop utility scale PV projects, which at the time was in the neighborhood of 10 to 20 megawatts. And that was considered huge back then in 2008. And in parallel, we were also aiming to sell our concentrating solar power technology to developers that were doing CSP projects and that had already designed a parabolic drop into CSP projects. So that was kind of my entrance into that market, applying for a job back in 2007, 2008. It was much different than how you do now. So I think it was a application submitted through career builder. It would be interesting to hear what trends you've seen. Like obviously 10 megawatts now back in 2008 is pretty small, but I'm sure like, as you said about Earthos, once panels get below 50 cents per watt, what you're doing is innovating the, the use of where you, basically the racking, and then you're able to cut out all that steel, which is a huge part of it. And actually it would be very interesting if you could talk about like the whole wiring. That's a big issue that could potentially, when you have it on the ground, like how are you able to get around some of the wiring issues? So, so I joined Earthos in April, 2021. And at the time I entered into the company when they had essentially figured out all the R&D aspects of the product. Yeah, Jim Tyler, founder of Earthos and ex-co-founder at Depcom Power, at, you know, one that held an executive level position at First Solar, uh, leading some of the EPC efforts over there. He started Earthos in 2019. And with a small team of people at Earthos, validated some key technical validation points 
with the technology, making sure that thermally the modules still operate at a reasonable level, making sure that solar panels on the ground would be robust to water submergent. And from there, once he was able to validate those points, acquired a small portfolio from White Pine Renewables, developer out here in California, and in 2021, started to execute on this small portfolio of CNI projects. During my interview with Erdos, I actually interviewed at the site in Central Valley, California, where they're building their first commercial project. So in that interview process, I was able to see the construction, I was able to see the contractor building the facility, and conceptually, it made a lot of sense for me that if you can make this work at scale, and if you can do what you're saying you can do on paper, then there's a lot of possibilities for this to become a dominant solution in the industry. So when it comes to trends, those that have been in the industry for a decade plus have seen the trend of fixed tilt wrapping and transitioning over to single axis tracking. And the reason why that occurred is because there was an LCOE advantage to making that transition. Yeah. Same thing with modules, right? Going from monophasial to biphasial modules. That trend occurred five plus years ago as people saw the uptick in energy production at no material increase in the cost of the module. So therefore, the LCOE improved with the adoption of biphasial modules. So what I like to say is Berthos is doing something similar. We are enabling LCOE to be reduced. And by seeing this 15 to 20% LCOE reduction, this is going to cause a transformative change in how people go about deploying solar, not just at the utility scale level, but we believe even ought to be communities solar scale and a large CNI scale. Yeah, that's a great way of explaining some of the major trends. Obviously talking about paddles, then talking about single access versus following the sun, essentially. And then basically the Earthos product is like the next part of the innovation process. Yeah, yeah. And getting into the anatomy of the solar system a little bit is a lot of times when you introduce a new technology, you're introducing something different and sometimes perhaps a little bit more complex. What I really appreciated and I found revolutionary about Earthos is in providing this new solution to the industry, they actually took equipment away or simplified how you go about installing solar. So when you talk about doing something different, but taking away key critical components, you really get into a value proposition that a lot of people don't and can't introduce. So in terms of what materials make up the earthbound solar system, imagine if you have a solar panel on the ground, we have a stainless steel aircraft cable that goes through the X and Y axis of each solar panel. So we have cables, if you think about it, it's like a mesh array of steel cables going through the frame of the solar panels, those steel cables terminate on precast concrete blocks that are put around each solar array. So those are two, I'd say, three critical BOS components. And then we have a unique DC cabling assembly that we lay underneath the solar panels in a shallow trench underneath the solar panels. Therefore, it allows us to put all the DC cabling and wiring underneath the solar panels and the solar panels are not resting on top of the wiring because they're in the shallow trench. So all these things are off the shelf type components or one that you can make at a contract manufacturer. So we're talking about precast concrete, DC cabling, and stainless steel wire. So our innovation is simplifying how to go about deploying solar. So I say those plus the cleaning robot are the component that help make up the solar insulation just from a component. Oh, for sure. That's a great way to simply explain that. Can you talk about if people are not familiar about like how the cleaning robot works and how it saves obviously cost because you're not having someone physically cleaning the system. So the cleaning robot was a critical element for Earthbound Solar to become reality. Because when you put solar panels on the ground, they get dirtier more than if they're on 
some kind of rack. Sure. So, yeah. so it, you can't clean it economically and efficiently. Now, solar can't become a reality. So it's too costly to use physical humans to go out there and clean solar panels on a daily basis or any kind of frequency, even on a, like, a weekly basis. So we had to come up with the means and methodology out of clean solar panels. So the EarthBot is a internally developed engineered product that we assemble in Arizona. And we do all this work locally in terms of doing the assembly and the engineering and commissioning of this robot. And then once it's ready to be deployed to the field, we ship essentially one of these bots out for every two megawatt AC array. Yeah. So for like a hundred megawatt AC project, we would need 50 of these bots assembled and created for that project. Uh-huh. And it utilizes a dry brush cleaning solution that use water and simply just sweeps dust off the array on a nightly or every two to three day basis. So the cleaning frequency will be different depending on the region of the country, but the goal at the end of the day is keep soiling less than 1%. Sure. Oh, that's amazing to hear. And that's obviously, as you said, the differentiator in your product to be able to use it, obviously being on the ground. So that's really interesting. And you explained it really concisely for our audience to understand. So that's great. Are you ready to hear from solar industry leaders about the solution for New York's clean energy future? Join us at the 2023 New York Solar Summit, the ultimate statewide conference and trade show where industry leaders chart the path toward rapid solar and storage deployment through the Empire State. New York leads the clean energy revolution with ambitious distributed solar and storage goals as part of its historic climate legislation that was passed in 2019. The recent passage of the Inflation Reduction Act, or the IRA, helps to bring these goals within reach, and clean energy leaders are gathering on November 9 to discuss the necessary solutions to challenges along the way. When you register for the New York Solar Summit, you'll be joining over 600 clean energy leaders for ample networking and learning opportunities, expert panel discussion, and a trade show filled with leading clean energy companies. Plus, we have exciting keynote addresses from Doreen Adders, who's the CEO and president of NYSERDA, and Jigger Shaw, director of loan programs at the U.S. Department of Energy. Don't miss out the New York Solar Summit hosted by the New York Energy Industries Association and presented by NYSERDA on November 9th at the Albany Capital Center. Visit www.nysea.org for more information and register today. Again, that's www.nysea.org. Register using the promo code MAVERICK, M-A-V-E-R-I-C-K, for a 15% discount on tickets. Hope to see you there. You know, what's amazing about the Erdo story to me is like you've been able to raise a lot of capital from some major equity sources. Can you talk about that? I know there was an announcement, I think, today of closing on some financing. And yeah, for our audience, it would be helpful because you're also getting that validation from the financiers or the investment community. And I think it's pretty interesting, too, because I think when, correct me if I'm wrong, when you started Earthos, they were first building their first site, right, with the technology. And you came on board because you're pretty confident that this would be very innovative. And I'm sure what you're doing in business development, obviously, not have physical sites to show people makes a huge difference. Also, having the money or the capital raise also shows more. I know this is going into another thing, but then also as well with the KW analytics that willing to guarantee a certain amount of production through the put product. Like these are all things that takes out the risk for the investors and the financiers for project. I know that's like multiple questions of one, by the way. And I think it's really interesting. If you want 
to first talk about maybe like the investment. I can definitely speak on it. And I think when I joined it, we didn't have any significant amount of outside funding. Joined not just because it was interesting new technology, but I would have to say that I needed to be convinced that this is something that I can pitch and sell to market, right? Because I've been in this industry a long time. I've worked with a lot of developers, IPPs, industry partners. So if I'm going to go up to somebody professionally and say, hey, you should be an early adopter in this solution, I need to have a high level of confidence that this actually works. Exactly. So being out at the site, seeing that the company was deploying something in the field, it was pretty important being the first major sales business development lead company. At the time, we didn't have any third-party contracts with anybody in the industry, even at a megawatt. So now we're 18 contracts underneath our belt and starting construction on some projects coming up here in the next month or so. We've kind of come along a way in the two and a half year that I've been here and the four plus year that Earthos been around in general. But the funding that you were referring to was just announced this morning, but $24 million financing through Capricorn Investment Group's new technology fund. I think this is just another level of confidence for the market that this is something that's going to be a predominant part of the industry. This followed the $17.5 million Series B round of investment in early 2022. So it just keeps telling the story that, hey, Earthos ultimately needs to hire more people to whether it's project managers, software people, sales execution team members, robotic people, O&M team members to help enable this to move forward at a faster pace and a higher scale. So you know, we're pretty excited about this funding. It's very new news and I'm sure it'll make a lot of headway here at RA Plus here in Vegas. It's amazing to hear these announcements that are happening all around the same time. It's great marketing and promotion for it to happen at RE Plus. Can you talk about as well the put product that you have now with KWH Analytics? We've had Jason Kamenitsky on the podcast. So I think it's very interesting as well because that's a huge validation of production, which is what most financiers are obviously trying to get the highest amount of production for the least amount of money to have some sort of guarantee from a third party with their put product. I think it would be helpful for our audience to learn more about it. I think it's a huge differentiator as well for those to have that, especially as a relatively new technology. Yeah, so to, to give people an understanding of my background, I've been in project development for a long time. You know, started in that particular role in the solar industry in 2008. I started my career doing greenfield project development. In the middle of my career, I got involved in a little bit of M&A project acquisition. And then eventually I transitioned into a role procuring equipment, leading supply chain, overseeing power marketing, as well as QA2C, specifically on modules and inverters. So when you kind of oversee the development of projects and getting projects to execution, construction, and long-term motorship, because I had worked for a company that was also owning a utility scale projects from a long-term owner perspective, you have to have the understanding of how projects get financed. And ultimately, when Earthos gets commitments into projects, getting the commitment from a project developer is the first commitment on a given project. But ultimately, the developer has to get tax equity and debt financing to the project. And sometimes the banks and the lenders, it takes a little bit of finesse to get them comfortable with adopting something that's new. So what the kilowatt hour analytics solar revenue put product does is it enhances the credit worthiness of our solution. It essentially provides a performance guarantee on the system over a duration of years and at a certain annual performance guarantee level on an annual basis is a credit enhancement primarily for utility scale solar projects. And I think for a lot of our analytics, they've underwritten something around four gigawatts of projects to date around conventional PV technology. So there's been a lot of work that's 
gone into the validation of our energy models, into our technology, and making sure that Kilowatt Hour Analytics can kind of step forward and say, hey, we can offer this product to investors and owners of earthbound solar projects. So now any developer can go out into the marketplace, develop their project with the Earthos solution, and then when they get the financing, they can work collaboratively with Earthos, the Kilowatt Hour Analytics, to incorporate this product into the project and ultimately for the benefit of financiers. So we don't have to say, hey, just believe what we're saying when it comes to energy modeling and expected revenue. We now have a financial investment grade backstop that someone to look to and then have confidence that their systems can be performing as expected. Yeah, and that's a huge differentiator, especially for you. It's a lot easier to sell your product when you have that sort of backing from GW, General Index, which is huge. So congrats on that. It's a chicken the egg situation, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, once somebody adopts our solution, it takes a period of time for the projects to become reality and get to a point where they need to be financed. And people in the financial community, they want to finance projects, right? But for sure, those projects need to get to the point where they can yeah. finance. So it's this kind of push and pull between development yeah. and then financing. So it's an interesting dynamic, but it's something that takes time. And we're doing as much as we can, greasing the skid on the bank's ability to finance, yeah. right? To make sure that that won't be a challenge when the projects need to go through that part of the execution process. Yeah, and that's a huge differentiator, especially for new technology to be able to do that. And it's relatively new. As you said, companies started in 2019. It's interesting because I actually know Albie from a book that he co-authored called Project Development in the Solar Industry. It's you and Jesse Tippett, at least the primary authors. I know each chapter, you know, different people focused on that. I asked another developer, his name's David from YSG Solar. They're actually a community solar and commercial industrial developer in New York. Like, what's the best way to learn about development? And he's like, oh, I have this great book, a project development with solar industry. That was, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, like six to eight years ago. I learned so much from reading that book. So I appreciate you putting the time to writing that. Can you talk about that book and how that happened? I know we've talked about it a few times. Only two years into my solar career, I thought of the idea of writing a book. And the reason why is that when I started my solar career, there wasn't any text or literature on how to develop solar projects. A lot of it was self-taught. A lot of it was just trying to figure it out. A lot of people didn't have the solar development experience back in 2008. And there are a lot of people who had experience in the power industry, but they didn't necessarily have that subject matter expertise in solar and renewables. So I found myself in a new position to, I don't know, be a thought leader or a contributor to education and, you know, some kind of textbook-based literature for people to utilize and refer to. So it's interesting how you said that you kind of picked that up seven, eight years ago. I started drafting that book maybe about 13 years ago, and it was published 11 years ago, around 2012. Yes, I co-authored it with Jesse Tippett. I will say Jesse was the bigger advocate to write a book. He said, hey, Albie, we should write a book, right? And get our names out there. And I said, hey, who's going to let two guys write a book about solar project development who only had two years of solar experience? And he actually encouraged me to do it. And we wrote a sample chapter together. We did some research to figure out which publishing company would be viable candidates to publish a book like this. We reached out to a group called CRC Press in the UK, sent them the sample chapter, and they said, hey, we love it. And we would like you guys to author the entire book. Everything went from there. It took another 12 to 18 months to actually find other contributors who wrote chapters out of the book. And eventually 
we published in 2012 and a couple academic institutions picked it up as the primary literature for their classroom. And we also have a contributor from Earthos. Arturo Alvarez is our director of project development engineering, and he helped contribute the interconnection chapter. So there's obviously other people throughout the industry who contributed that were really appreciative who participated in that. But yeah, Jeffy and my name are co-author on the book, but there was a lot of help that we had to get that and become reality. Oh, for sure. I could imagine how much work went into it. And it's interesting because I refer your book to anyone because I get a lot of people wanting to get into the industry. And the first thing I do refer is your book, Sierra from Mana Pacific. I interviewed her on the podcast. She told me even that she reached out to you and then suggested for us to meet at InterSolar this past February in Long Beach. So I was excited that she read the book, but then it was amazing because she actually took the initiative to reach out to everyone who wrote a chapter and set up an informational call, which is, I think, really smart for her to do and really build a great network of people. And, you know, she knew you were going to be at that InterSolar conference and recommended me to speak to you, you know, about the book, but then also about Earthos and technology that I would be interested in learning more about the Earthos technology. So I thought it was interesting because it kind of went full circle. And that's another indirect benefit that we knew that would come out of creating a textbook like that in the industry that we work in is meeting folks like yourself and Sierra. Maybe that leads into business level interactions. My current role at Rhinos and have had the opportunity to meet a lot of transitioning professionals and young individuals in the industry who want to create a career in solar or renewable energy. So I've met quite a bunch of people throughout the years that have had a chance to say, hey, I read that book or I used it as I was going through my MBA program. And it's been a nice network building piece for me as well. Another interesting aspect for you was like, I've taken a lot of initiative to mentor people. You're living a, a sustainable, clean energy lifestyle. Can you talk about like how you do that or have recommendations? Because it's interesting. I actually did a podcast where I talked about how you could be more sustainable and renewable in your own life. And it was interesting because I was surprised how much feedback that I got that people were taking initiative to do some of these things that I spoke about. It would be great for them to get your perspective of what you're doing. I think kind of being in the industry for a while, you get a certain amount of experience that you want to find a way to mentor the next generation of renewable energy talent, right? And when I was going through school, we didn't have renewable energy programs in place at UC San Diego. We didn't have a class or a program that was crafted around getting into this industry. So I think I've always found an interest to have the opportunities to try to mentor people. I've, I've mentored an individual from UC San Diego out of the electrical engineering program. I've mentored people through the Young Professional Energy or YP, San Francisco Bay Area chapter. So I had a chance to interact with people and a couple of people I have mentored. One actually works in the renewable energy industry and another person has actually worked just in the tech industry mm-hmm. and had just an interest about the clean tech sector and figuring out how they could take some of their skills and transfer from tech to solar. So I think anytime that you can kind of give back and also just network too, right? Just mm-hmm. because you mentor people and you never know when you might collaborate with that person in the future or she sure. might hire somebody who have their expertise. So yeah, I'm actually coming up here in a few weeks. We'll be speaking on a career panel by YPE in San Francisco and that will be going down in October and similar theme, just providing a perspective about my position in renewables and trying to help people who are trying to get in the industry, whether they're in different clean tech sector, they're just transitioning from other industries to solar. That's great that you're doing that and it's all about giving back and a legacy and that's great to hear that. This has been an amazing interview. I feel like 
we do a part two, so another 45 minutes to an hour, which we probably should do sometime in the near future. If our audience wants to learn more about Earthos, if they wanted to get in contact with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, obviously check out the website. Earthos.com has a number of great white papers, introductory videos. You actually see visually what the Earth about Solar Solution is all about. But anybody's welcome to reach out to me on LinkedIn, submit a request to connect, and I try to make myself as available as possible. And if somebody wants to talk to someone specifically at Earth, though, if I'm not the right person, you know, we have over 80 full-time employees and we have people involved in O&M and finance and bankability and project management. So if there's a certain part of the industry that you want to get more interaction with, we have a lot of stakeholders here of, of different expertise that you can talk to at Earth. Yeah, that's really helpful. We'll have that in the notes. The podcast will also have a link to your book as well, the project development book. And also, I think you did a great job of explaining the Earthos technology like simply, but I think really like watching the videos on your site is really a great reinforcement and for people to see it visually. So I think that's great that you recommend it to go on the website. Because that's how I learned after our meeting in February a lot about it because seeing those different videos and you forward me some other stuff. We have five operational projects in California. So we get a lot of interest. People want to see it in person as we start deploying this solution across the country. We welcome people to reach out to us and as much as we can, we try to give people opportunity to see it in person and it does change some people's perspective when they see how simple it is to deploy in the field. Yeah, definitely. Always obviously seeing it in the field is even bigger than the videos and this has been a great interview. I appreciate you making time out of your busy schedule at RE Plus to talk to me about this. I look forward to continue conversation and continue success for Earthos. Really appreciate being here. Thanks for listening to the Solar Maverick Podcast. The Solar Maverick Podcast is brought to you by Renew Energy. We're a solar development and consulting firm. If you believe that this podcast is adding value to you, please give us a five-star review and share with those that you think could benefit from this information. Please email all questions, suggestions, and feedback to info at renewenergy.com. That's I-N-F-O at reneuenergy.com. The Solar Maverick Podcast is produced by Podcast Laundry and executive produced by Benoit Thangin and Kevin Y. Brown. 